It's good to see you on this nice fall, um, spring morning. <laughs> um, I, I have it all figured out in Rochester. Um, I had to in order to stay. Um, after my second winter, and I wanted out, um, and we came in 1986 for five years, and this is not the coldest place I've been. Um, Omaha, Nebraska for Bible College was colder, but spring knew when to come. Um, we were, I had a tennis class, and we were actually playing tennis outside in March. <clears throat> um, you know, they had three seasons in Omaha, winter, summer, and tornado. Um, never got to see one. Um, and that was at that time, I may have shared before, that I said to God, I will never leave Philadelphia again for a place with cold winters. Um, and then I said, okay. So, so Rochester, how do you deal with Rochester winters and other seasons? Um, I said to myself, spring comes Memorial Day weekend. And anything above 50 and sunny is a bonus day. Um, the year after I said that, God tested me in that. Because if you remember, it was, and I remember it um, well, it was Mother's Day weekend, 1989. It snowed a foot. And it was just like, um, are you still rejoicing? You know, you had bonus days, and spring hasn't come yet. So we'll get our two weeks of spring between Memorial Day and Flag Day. Um, but it's, it's always good to be with you. Um, as I uh, consider... Um, and the invitation to come and speak. It's always, the easiest thing is when somebody says, here's the topic for you. Um, and then you know where to go, you know what you're doing, and when you're told that, you know, let the Lord lead you in this. Um, many of my sermons are born out of my experience um, at that time, um, but this time it was out of my Bible reading. Um, you know, so I'm looking to God and saying, what is it that you want me to share with your people? And it was almost like God saying, what are you learning here? And, and I was in the book of Judges, and there's so many lessons out there, and I was looking at, um, at Gideon. And as I read through the first chapter that had to deal with Gideon in Judges chapter 6, uh, I believe, um, I got to the end of the chapter and said, this guy was really afraid. He was really afraid. And I began to think about fear and how often I operate in fear. I don't like to think that I'm afraid a lot, but I, as I began to look back, I've asked myself, what has made you afraid? Uh, one of the things that I feared early in my life and in my early adulthood was flying. Just the idea of flying scared me. I, I like my feet to be on the ground, um, and I like whatever I'm in to be on the ground. And so flying was not very appealing to me. Um, and because flying wasn't appealing to me, uh, and because there was a fear that was there, it caused a number of inconveniences. The bus ride from Philadelphia to Omaha is 34 hours. Um, and the flight was about four. And I wouldn't you say, you know what, I will take the 34 hours. Um, I have this gift of being able to sleep and whenever I'm not driving, and I slept for most of that trip. And when I did awaken um, in Iowa, <laughs> Iowa in August, beautiful sights, um, cornfields for miles. Then you take a nap and you wake up and you see cornfields. Um, and you doze off and you sleep and four hours later you see cornfields. 
Um, that, was, that was Iowa. Um, and, it, and I went through that. Um, I went through that twice. I went through two 24-hour car rides because I was afraid. Um, as a young adult, I had an opportunity to minister with my pastor in Philadelphia in Ghana, West Africa, and said, nope, not going. Why? Because I'm afraid to fly. And I began to think about all the things that I missed because of fear, the fear of flying. Um, God's taken care of that, and, and I'm not afraid to fly um, anymore. I'm afraid to crash, but I'm not afraid to fly. As long as we stay in the air, I am okay. A little bit of turbulence here and there, I'm still okay. But fear, what do you fear? What's that thing that, that cripples you? What's that thing that makes you um, not do the things that you would normally do or messes up your life because you can't operate well? Well, I, I um, look when I'm studying at definitions. I tell you, what, one of the best def, um, dictionaries I have is the Webster Dictionary 1828 edition. Um, and it, it says, fear is a painful emotion or a passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Fear expresses less apprehension than dread and dread less than terror and fright. The force of this passion, beginning with the most moderate degree, may be thus expressed, fear, dread, terror, fright. Fear is accompanied with a desire to avoid or ward off the expected evil. Fear is an uneasiness of mind upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us. Below that, he says, in Scripture, and that's the amazing thing about this, there's so many Bible verses in the 1828 edition of the Webster Dictionary. He says, in Scripture, fear is used to express a filial or slavish passion. In good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of, his, of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. This is filial fear. Can you imagine that, diction, that being in a dictionary today? Fear can cause me to run away from God, or fear can cause me to run to God. God mentions um, in his writing of his word, the word fear, 353 times over 340 verses. The word afraid, 167 times in 165 verses. But what I, I liked most when I began to study this was 33 times he said, fear not. And I enjoy that. And that's where we're going to end. But as we, we begin, let's just look to the Lord to speak to us. Father, thank you for your word. It's good. Psalmist says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. So by your spirit, in your word, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so in a perfect world, why was there fear? In a perfect world, there was no need for fear. If you can imagine walking with God, um, he comes in the cool of the day and he talks to you. And you get to spend this time in awe of the creator of the universe and the one who breathed breath 
into your nostrils and made you a living soul. That, has to be, that had to have been the coolest time in all of the world. It was. But something happened. And you know it well. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, after a conversation with the serpent, in verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the voice, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Let me just stop there in verse 8. That was normal. That was a normal thing. I remember when, when the children were young, and I would come in, and my daughter first would run in, and she would jump, and I'd better be able to catch. Um, she jumped. I picked her up. I hugged her. I twirled her around. Um, my son and I, we, we rustled on the floor. Um, I felt, it felt good coming home. Uh, from No matter what happened before, when I came home, that was a good thing. So I can imagine for Adam, um, God's presence shows up in the garden um, in, in this very tangible way. And he had always, I believe, looked forward to that time with God. I'm not sure what the conversations were like. Um, I'm not sure uh, what the experience entailed, but he looked forward to it. But this day was different. It says in verse 8, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And in verse 10, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. I feared because I was naked, and I hid myself. And that's where fear entered the world. Why? Because man decided that my way is better than God's way. That what God said really doesn't count this time. And this whole new emotion grabbed him. I remember growing up as a child in times when I was afraid. Most of the time when I was afraid when I was a child was when I did something wrong and I knew that my mother was going to find out. I, 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 I was sure that my mother had a pipeline right to God. and He just told her everything that I did because it seems like I got away with nothing. And, and, and I remember my brother, my, my mother... I grew up in, in the 60s at a time of corporal punishment. My mother had a leather belt, and she was good with it. I, I recall a time when, when a friend of mine, I told me about my mother's belt before, and we were in the house and kept opening the doors, and it was fly in the kitchen, and she took her belt and she swung and knocked two flies out of the sky. My, my friend looked, and his eyes got big. I said, I told you she was good with this thing. So <laughs> if, if we did something wrong, we feared the belt. You know, there, was a, there was a fear there. It was a healthy fear of the belt. And there were times when we would look to do something and say, is it worth it? Is it worth it? But when we did something, not considering if it was worth it, it was like, wow. And I remember the one time my brother decided that it would have been a good thing to hide the belt. 
And my mother looked for the belt, and she was so cold, she never raised her voice, she never looked, she says, I can't find my belt. And then she looked and says, wow, there's an extension cord. <laughs> the belt reappeared within 30 seconds. <laughs> it was, but I never feared the belt when I was doing what was right. When I, when I did the things that I was supposed to do, when I was supposed to do them, there was no fear. But when I violated the law, there was fear. Some of you have been driving, and you weren't paying attention to your speedometer, and you heard a sound or saw a light, that instant fear that came. And you began to slow down and pull over, and there were times when that car went right by you and you did the speed limit for the rest of the way home. I now put my, my uh, cruise control on. Um, I was really good at it for a long time. I forgot one time, and $293 later, you don't forget very often. Uh, when I go past a state policeman on the highway, and I have my cruise control on, and I'm within the limit, I will sometimes go by and nod at the police as he's, as he's there because there's no fear. But if I have, do not have that on, and I see a police officer, I could be doing five miles below the speed limit, and I go slower at first. Because you fear what the repercussions of doing wrong is. So they send. When else do we fear when, when there's danger? And there's a good time to fear. But you know, when, when we're in relationship with God, danger does not cause us to fear to the place where it paralyzes us. Um, we think that my grandson had his fear gene removed or it was never inserted. Um, he was just always on something. I went to visit them. He wasn't quite a year old yet. And furniture was arranged kind of strange in the house. And, and I said, why is this in this place? And they said, my grandson likes the highest place in the room, and he would climb it. He was calling it five months, walking or running at eight months, and if it was high, he wanted it. Went by on Father's Day, just before his first birthday, and they had this gym out, this thing out in the yard. It had a swing on, and it had a climbing wall. Well, he wouldn't climb up, but he would go behind it. And my son said to me, uh, Dad, watch out for him in the opening. Now, the opening was about six feet up, and my grandson, 11 months old, goes to the top of there, comes out to the front, looks at me, and dies. My dear son didn't tell me why I should be aware and watchful, but when he dove at me and I caught him, and he had the biggest smile on his face, what I thought was he trusted me, and he didn't fear what would happen to him. He trusted me. He had a relationship with me that allowed him to go to a spot that was higher than I am tall and jump. Are we like that with God? That there's a situation that would normally cause fear, but because of our relationship with God, we go through it without fear. Danger causes fear. As we saw, disobedience causes fear. And here's what brings us to Judges chapter 6. When I don't know the future or can't control my circumstances, I often become afraid. Become afraid. 
When, when I don't know what I'm going to be facing, sometimes we get news and, and our first reaction is fear or dread because I don't know what this really is going to mean. I've talked with a number of people over the last decade or so who worked for Kodak or Xerox or Bausch and Lam, and, and I remember first coming to, to Rochester and wondering, could Rochester ever survive without these companies? And there were a number of people who wondered, could I survive if they closed down my department? And when there was a word on the news that one of these places was going to be laying off, people became afraid. Why? Because I, I don't control my life anymore. I don't control my circumstances. I have one friend who, about two years ago, um, his, his uh, supervisor was... Um, was retiring, and they called him in, and he thought that they were going to call him in after 34 years and tell him that he was going to supervise that department, and they told him, we no longer need your services. And he says, my first impulse was to be afraid. He said, but then I remembered my relationship with God, and it was God who took care of me and not Kodak. But those things are fearful. I'm a teacher in the city school district, and um, in the last couple of weeks, they talked about laying off 300 people. And some of the young teachers that were just there, maybe two or three years, became afraid. Um, they said, why are you afraid? Because I have bills. I have student loans. I have rent. I have all these things. I I'm making a salary that I can afford all of these things, but if they lay me off, I won't be able to pay my bills. I, I don't control my, my future, so I'm afraid. Well, in the book of Judges, chapter um, 6, you know, that, that chapter talks about how Israel really blew it with God. They did what was right in their own eyes. And, and God says, I, I told you what to do, and you wouldn't. In verse 10, it says, and I said to you, he's talking to the whole country, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. In verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tabernacle at Aphra, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midians. Why was he doing what he should have been doing on the outside, on the inside? Because of fear. How would you like to work at something very hard and then someone take it away from you? And that's what they were doing. They would come in and they were raid and, and all the work that I put in, all the sowing that was there, and now it's time to, to, to reap, and, and I've reaped, and now it's time to do the threshing, and I can't do it where it's going to be most beneficial because I'm afraid. In verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I, I like the way that God sees us. He doesn't see us in light of our circumstances, he sees us through his eyes if we give ourselves to him. If I would just give my life over to God, God says, this is what I can make of you. We don't see the end. We see where we are and the process that we're going through. And God says, I see you where you're going to be if you place your life in my hand. Gideon says, I am not a man of valor. And how can you tell me you're with me when I'm operating in fear? And verse 13 says, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, 
If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Have you been there? God, if, if you love me the way that you say you love me, and all of my teaching says that, and I have experienced this, but how could you let this happen to me? As I looked over the last couple of months, and, and I've seen young people go home to be with the Lord, and in the last two weeks, a good friend of ours, um, her husband had gone into the hospital, said he had a heart attack, and then I got a text that says he's passed. One of our teacher's um, behavioral specialists was on vacation in Florida two weeks ago looking forward. We had a conversation two and a half weeks ago. Um, She's retiring in June. She was in Florida. She had a massive heart attack, and she died. And I look at this, and I'm saying, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are people who are my age and a little older. One young lady who left her husband and a teenage daughter and two preteens. And I'm saying, but Lord, I don't understand. I don't like the question why, because um, he doesn't usually answer that question. My questions have sometimes been, how long? Or what do you want me to do? Or my statement is, this is, this is hard, this hurts. But Gideon says, you know, I've seen these people come down and raid and take and steal and and abuse us. And you say that you're with us. And then he asks, where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And God says, yeah, you're right, because you didn't obey me. This is what I have done. But in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. And, and I can imagine, he says, wait a minute, um, I'm hiding from them. And now you want me to fight them. And you're giving me the idea that if I fight them, I'm going to win. Nothing in my circumstance says that I'm going to win. And you may be facing something in your life and right now, and, and nothing about what's going on in your life right now says I'm going to win. Whether it's in school for my, my students here, and you're seeing the things that are facing you, and if you're in high school, there's the fun Regis exams that are coming up or AP exams in just a week or a couple of weeks from now, and you're looking at that and says, I think I know this stuff, and I, but I'm not sure. And you can go into there with fear. I've had students come into school and get sick because they were afraid that they weren't going to remember all the things that they were going to, to um, be faced with, or, or people in high school that were afraid that they weren't going to get into their college, or they were afraid that they weren't going to get the... Um, Financial aid. One of my, my former students was graduating from RIT. He w- it was in December, and he was afraid that he wasn't going to get a job, and he wasn't graduating until May. And, and so he began to, to have anxiety, and he began to um, doubt everything that he had done because we don't control our lives. We like to think so. I, I love control. When I finally looked at my fear of flying, I said, what is it that causes me to fear flying? It's because I don't have control. Not only do I not have control, but I don't know what kind of morning the pilot had. Um, I, have, I, I have, on a couple of times, um, gone out on a plane and said to the person welcoming us, and everybody's had a good day, right? And, you know, I, you know, I don't want you depressed. You know, I don't want you tired. 
Um, and, and these days, I, I don't want you hungover. Um, I don't want any of those things. I want to know that you love life, that you're gonna, you miss your wife and can't wait to get back to her because I want to get where I'm going, but I don't have control of that. And so my apprehension was that I can't control it and I'm afraid. God, I know what you've done. I, I come from, from a very rich heritage of, of in Christianity. And I've heard the stories of four generations. But sometimes, when I'm going through a very difficult time, I look at the time that I'm in right now and not what God's done in the past. And that's where Gideon was. The last part of verse 14 should have been all that he needed. Did I not send you? And he said to him in verse 15, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. When I read that, I thought about Moses in um, Exodus chapter 3. God, who am I? They won't believe me. I can't speak. I'm a nobody. God, don't you know that I've been running for 40 years? I, I tried to do this saving Israel thing, saving the Hebrews. Um, I tried to do that. And I messed it up. And God had to convince him, I'll be with you. In Exodus 3.12, he said, but I will be with you, and I'll give you a sign that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So God says the same type of thing to Gideon in 6.16. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And even after getting God's assurance, when Gideon was told, now, take your, your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. And then take this second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Verse 27 says, So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Even after getting God's assurance sometimes, we still have fear. And God wants us to work on, not work on the fear, but work on surrender. The God, I, I surrender myself to you. Let me just share a couple of, of um, things before, as we close. Number one, fear cannot live alongside of faith. Two instances with Jesus on the water. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, um, Jesus was asleep. They were fighting the storm. And when they woke up, Jesus asking him if he cared about them. It's like, I haven't shown you that in these times that I've been with you. He said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. And my fear at the very foundation is, God, I don't really believe you and what you've said, what you've done, what you've promised. And Jesus says, I'm right here in the boat with you. Yeah, but you're asleep. You're not panicking the way that I'm panicking. 
You're not distressed the way that I'm distressed. It's because I know who I am. I know what I'm about. Jesus, we thought we knew who you were. I mean, their response after he calmed the sea was, who is this? What manner of man is this? That, that even the wind and the seas obey his voice. A little later, Jesus is walking on water. They see him. Their reaction was fear. Can't say that I blame them. Um, never seen anybody walking on water. And if I saw somebody walking on water in the middle of the night, I believe that I would respond it the same way, especially since they didn't have a New Testament to look at and see the story. So Peter says, can I come? And he says, come. He said, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you little, little faith. Why do you doubt? Jesus is letting them know that if you're going to follow me and really believe me and do the things that I want you to do, you have to have faith that is larger than your fear. And so it's, it's not a thing for me to work on my fear. I need to work on my faith. God, do I believe you? I know what you've said. I know the verses. I can quote the verses. But when it really comes to it, do I believe you? So let me encourage you. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your great reward. In, in um, Genesis 26, to Isaac, his son, he says, And the Lord appeared to him that same night and says, I am the God of your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And here's my favorite. In Isaiah 41, verse 8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off, Verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, I quote that so many times. And I say it to me, Dennis, do not fear, because God is with you. Don't be dismayed. He is your God. God promised you, Dennis, that I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. That's what God says. Paul says to Timothy, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control, a strong, sound mind, a disciplined self. So if this is what God has given to me, he says to me, operate in it. He says to you, operate in it. I'm not sure what you're facing. But there's going to be the temptation to be afraid. Remember God's promises. I, I, I would challenge you, you know, take a, a, do we still have concordances or do we do it all online? I did all mine online. I remember the great big giant books, the strong concordance. But man, I, you put that thing in there and within a second or two, it comes up. And just go in and, and read the fear nots. Go back and, and read the do not be afraid. And remind yourself 
when the circumstances themselves call for fear, that you serve a God who says, fear not, who promises to be with you. You know those verses where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You Read that first chapter of the book of Joshua, where God promises him that I will be with you always, to be strong and be courageous. Remind yourself of the things that God said. And we know that God's not a man that he will lie, nor is he the son of man that he shall repent or go back on it. If he says it, he will do it. He will make it good. You can count on him. Father, thank you. Your word is good. And there are times and circumstances in our lives that we become afraid. I thank you that there's another part of fear that says, fear the Lord. The beginning of the Lord, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I like that, that reverence and that awe. But Father, we face dread more than we pay attention to the other part at times in our lives. Remind us, first, who you are, and then remind us what you've done for us and what you've promised us. And this week, no matter the circumstances, we carry the words with us, fear not, for I am with you. And we thank you for that insurance. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who teaches us your word. In Jesus' name, amen.